Deja making you sad? Well, on the sweetness train, it's always night. Welcome to the Lollygaggers Podcast. In this episode, Justin talks Reddit Player One and East of West. Well, Jeff covers Arctic Terror and all manner of space aliens. Both Lollygaggers then break down the Titan and end the night with the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, welcome to episode number two of the Lollygaggers podcast, a show that's going to be about games and movies and comics and television um, and co- comics and movies. Uh, my name's Nerd Jeff. stuff, just nerd stuff. Nerd stuff? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I want to talk about sliders really quick. Oh. Is that okay? Can I talk about fine. sliders? I'm, go- I'm, okay. I'm okay with uh, late 90s sci-fi extravaganza shows. I'm okay with that. Was it late '90s? I really should have looked this up before. I think it was. I feel like whatever was made Jerry Connell like in his twenties. That Jerry is it? So Jerry Connell is it? O'Connell? Does he have an O in front of his name? I think it's Jerry. Rebecca Romaine's husband. Whatever makes him in his twenties. <laughs> that's I will always remember him as Vern from Stand by Me. So I think it was Vern. I don't know. You have like a penny you're collection. Yourself real bad. Whatever. I don't care. You're. I'm old. I don't. I don't care. You're old too, man. So anyway, sliders. Uh, have you you seen sliders, right? Uh, when I was a kid, it was always on in my house because my brothers liked it. I never, I never really watched it. Mm-hmm. I think I was just too young to really understand the intricacies and depth to the show. Probably. So that's that's fair. So I remember watching it when it first came on, like on actual television, like the first pilot episode, all that kind of stuff. And I watched like the first season or two or whatever it was. But at some point in time, I stopped watching it, and I never really kept track of what happened. But uh, just for kicks and giggles, because I had like a uh, I had like, I have like a Hulu thing going on right now, and it's on Hulu, uh, and so I decided to watch it for the first time in, in like twenty something years. And uh, eh, some of it holds up, some of it doesn't. Like one of the things, it's interesting to me looking like watching shows or movies like now as an adult compared to when I was younger. And seeing the different things that, like, I didn't notice then. Because I remember, like, watching him. Like, basically, he's got this basement. And he's got all sorts of these crazy, uh, like, computerized machines to create his his wormhole to other parallel universes and whatnot. And so all I can think about as an adult was, like, who's paying this electric bill? Like, this electric bill has to be insane right now. And I just couldn't stop thinking that. And it kept driving me nuts. And then he started using, like, his remote control. And I don't think I ever quite realized how that doesn't make sense. Like, what's the point of all those other things within Wait, his hold house? On. Wait, hold on. Okay. He was able to go through galaxies and time with yeah. remote control. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I, I was just clearing up. I was just clearing up. Well, like, I'm trying to understand exactly what the point was of all his other little computerized equipment and stuff in his basement if he was just going to use the remote control to, like, go from one parallel universe to the next right like so what's the point of the i mean like that thing was small enough to run on like a like a like triple a batteries or something so i don't know it was kind of weird uh but anyway i'm not sure i want to keep watching it i was just really bored one day and i'm like hey look sliders and so i hit play and then my wife started watching too so that that was kind of interesting we made it all the way through it was like those old school two-hour pilot type things uh so anyway that's what I, I I just really want to talk about. Slayer. It is really sad when those old shows used to love just don't hold up. Like I was real into Power Rangers at one point in my life, and I went oh, back God. and watched a couple episodes, and it's the most disappointing thing you'll ever watch. 
I have this never so been in to that show. Like, oh, I just this is just, when you're when you're five and you like karate. Of course, you're gonna love yeah. Power Rangers. Anyways, think, what you been up to, man? Uh, let's see what I've been up to. Uh, so I have I have not been able to play a ton of uh, like physical board games this past week, but I have been making up for it by playing some video games on uh, on my apps. So I want to talk about a Xeno Shift. That's the first game I want to talk about. Xeno right. Shift. It's a cooperative game. So it's a deck building slash tower defense game, and it's published by Simon. It's designed by a guy named Michael Chanel. And I'm talking about this because there's kind of two versions of the board game, and one of those is just called Xeno Shift Onslaught. And then there was a version on Kickstarter back in 2017 called Xeno Shift Dreadmire, which is kind of a sequel, um, just re-envisioning. It's the same thing, just sort of a different different planet. The game's about like kind of Starship Troopers-esque, like everyone's part of the same uh, military uh, team, and they go to Rico's these different Rico's Roughnecks. Yes, yes, absolutely. Very much like that. It's, it's like basically Starship Troopers, the game. Uh, and so everyone on the team is part of this, this military base of some kind and everyone has to defend a specific section of it and depending on which section whether it's the medical bay or the armory or you know stuff like that uh you have different benefits so it's kind of like the the character you're playing or the the player class that gives you a little bit a little bit of bonuses here and there uh but there's also an app version too and so i'm able to play the app version solo or i can play like the physical version i own xenoship dreadmire i can play that like with my wife or i played it with some of the some of the board game uh, group uh, that i have uh, so yeah it's a part deck builder it's part tower defense everyone's members of the nortech military and throughout the course of the game you're kind of collecting or you're you're spending this this thing called xenosatham which is essentially the currency and you're using that to buy uh, to buy new items, like all of these high-tech, like sci-fi, militaristic items, special armor, special weapons, uh, various medical supplies, things like that. And, or you're recruiting increasingly stronger troops. And then what you do is you lay them out in kind of a line, and then another line of, uh, of aliens start attacking them. And so every single person has to take their turn having a wave of aliens come and attack their side of the base. Because the game game takes place over the course of three waves, and in each wave there's three rounds uh, of aliens that are coming at you. So you have to try to prevent, uh, during those little moments of combat, the aliens from doing more damage to your people than your people do to them. Otherwise, all that excess damage is done to the base. If the base takes too much damage, then the base dies, and then everyone loses, right? Uh, so now the cool thing about this game is that even though the the board game probably costs like 40, 50 bucks, something like that, you can try out the app because it's got an app on both the the app store like, and then it's also got one on Google Play. Uh, it's about five bucks or so, and you can play it solo. I only play it solo. There might be a multiplayer fashion uh, function to it, but I only play it solo, and it only has the Onslaught stuff. Um, I haven't seen him actually start to incorporate Dreadmire yet. Uh, but it's the same system, and what's really nice about the app is that it does a lot of the bookkeeping for you. So whenever like new stuff comes out, whenever you have to lay out you know, new cards, like it's already automatically doing it for you, which is really really nice. That's, um, that's, that's going to be my question. I was going to ask you like, is there what's the cost to the app store? Or, like, the app it's pretty app? cheap. It's like five or six bucks, I think. And I was also going to ask you like, can you get it on Google Play or is it like? Yeah, you can get it on Android. Right. So I, I, I have it on Android. So that's what I use it on. Okay, so, I like, just, when I'm... That was going to be my question. I'm like, if it's like relatively cheap i mean why not try it out you know it's pretty cheap like i really like the game mainly because like i'm not a i kind of like deck builders they're not my favorite but they're not my least favorite at the same time 
And this one really surprised me. Like I've played quite a few deck builders at this point, but Xenoshift is one I keep coming back to. And it comes to the table, both my wife and I play it in our kind of two player games, but also sometimes with the board game nights where we have four or five or even six people, which is crazy. Playing that game with six people takes forever, but it's still pretty nice. I like that like everything that you can purchase is right there for you. You know where it is, you know it's going to be accessible to you. And it's less about like the random, like the random overlay of like what you're going to get from like a deck that you're just kind of pulling cards from and saying, I hope something I can buy comes up this turn. Nope, it's all there. And it's just, you can kind of plan it out. So it's really, really nice. Uh, so Xenoshift, uh, either the, the board game version, like the actual physical, the physical version or the app, uh, I definitely highly recommend it. And it's a nice little change of pace. Uh, and it's a kind of a good time waster when you're sitting around with something to do and you got your phone on you. Uh, so what have you been playing, man? Um, so my wife and I, we decided from inspiration from the previous podcast, uh, you introduced us to this exit, the game series where yeah. it's like, <clears throat> basically you get, it's like a one shot deal. It's 15 bucks. And yep. with it being 15 bucks, basically, uh, you were given a challenge to exit a particular area. The first one you gave us was a polar station. Lots of, um, it undertones. And we talked about that last time too. You but, mean no, the thing? Like, the thing. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't remember there being crazy clowns. clowns. <laughs> Sorry. Don't. Uh, but that would have been pretty interesting. Though. Yeah. Lots of those <laughs> what are you times. doing here in the art? That's yeah. really strange. This yeah. one was uh, called uh, Exit the Game, the Abandoned Cabin. And so basically what this was is you are asked to go into a cabin over the weekend uh, for some type of benefactor and you were locked in and you have to get out. You can't get out. And like there's a haunting and you have to try and Figure your way out of it. <clears throat> Last one we didn't finish in time. We didn't finish at all because we just got so messed up we gave up on it. Which I felt really bad and my wife was very upset because she really wanted to finish it. I'm the one oh. that decided to quit. She wanted me to reinstate again. That was my choice, not hers. <laughs> uh, it was all for, me. For the uh, record, please. For the, yeah, make sure they know. Uh, yeah. But we got this one done. We did it in about an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, the so. the Polar Station was a two and a half. Or no, the poor station was a three. This was a two and a half. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier, but not like super easy. Um, we had one mess up where we like realized that we screwed up somewhere along the way where we didn't have one piece of the puzzle that we needed. So we had to backtrack a little bit. Um, we didn't. We tried our best not to look ahead of stuff, but we're just trying to figure out, like, okay, where, where did we mess up? And then uh, we used one solution. We went through a whole stack of cards because basically there's a stack of, there's a little deck for each, for each, uh, like, riddle. For each and, puzzle, yeah. Yeah, and you get two hints and one solution. And right. so the hints just help you get along the way. The solution tells you straight up the answer. So we did yeah. one solution. And well, the rest of it, for the rest of the shapes and stuff, we only got a few clues. Like, we did pretty decently through the whole thing. It's really fun. And I enjoyed doing it because my wife got really, she really loved it. Had a great time with it. And she likes doing those little things where it's like, it's really hard to find games for just two people that are... Oh, know, I could give you e- tons. Yeah, but like they're somewhat easily accessible, you know? Right. Instead of getting, you know, because you're deep in that world. It's tough to kind of like find that stuff where it like really works really, really well with two people. Um, yeah. I mean, these are really nice because they're like, they're they're essentially their escape room in a box. Like that's kind of... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. How they're being packaged in a way. And there's Exit, this is that particular series. And there's Unlock, which is another series. And there's a couple other games too. Uh, but the exit ones, like you said, like they're just one shots. You can't play them a second time. Unlock, which is the same like small box, hour, hour and a half, uh, 
figuring out puzzles those are reusable so you can actually buy them they're roughly Which the same we price. really want to do we want to try that yeah. one because we're looking at like she showed it to me she's like i oh, should try some we, maybe we should do this one she found one online like so we're probably looking into that but uh yeah. again the only discount about this game that i just don't like is that it is a one shot but the fact that yeah. it's a one shot is really cool and unique because there's lots of stuff that you wouldn't see normally in a game like that where like you cut up the manual with certain things. That's a pretty common thing between the two games we played. Like, you cut out pieces of the manual. That's why it's a one sure. piece. Right. Um, cards are unique that you can't, like, redo it because you'll know the clues and the answers. And, like, there's things with even the box and the things in the box that surprise you. Like, there was one particular qu- uh, like riddle where it involved a secret, a secret thing hidden in the box. And it was really neat when we find that it was really also really fun to like you know see that little clue and be very unique so it's just a thing like you can't replicate again because of the nature of the game but we really really liked it and we, we want to keep doing them but i think for the next one we want to try a redoable one where we can kind of do like a uh a lock one that you were talking about which i think we're going to probably do that for the future but right. that was exit the game the abandoned cabin um mm-hmm. and i highly suggest it if you really if you like doing that type of stuff but, uh, yeah, they're and they're really popular, so you can find them in a lot of different places now. I mean, like use whatever online vendor you want. Amazon carries a bunch of them. If you have a local game store, I'm sure they have some. So they're pretty easy to find at this point. I don't think you can get them in like Target or anything yet. You might be able to, but I don't think I was you can certainly way. get them on Amazon and whatnot. So pretty easy to find. All right, man. What else you been up to? All right, so uh, I was I've been I've been kind of getting really excited and hyped up for this new AM, AMC show premiered uh, a couple weeks back or a week so ago like on a i think it was a monday uh but it's a show called the terror uh it's developed by ridley scott and it's based apparently on a book by dan simmons but i i know absolutely nothing about that book uh it stars kiaren hines uh who will always be julius caesar from rome uh to me uh, he's the guy with like when he opens his eyes like really wide he just looks absolutely terrified i think he was uh, also it, in that there was that olympic movie where it was about the uh the assassinations in the Olympic Village that came out like maybe eight oh years yeah, ago. yeah yeah he was in oh that uh, Munich you're yeah, talking about Munich, Munich right he was yeah, in yeah, Munich. yeah 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 he was in Munich yeah good pull uh so yeah it's got Karen Hines in it it's got Jared Harris Jared Harris is uh right now he is in the Expanse on Sci-Fi but anyway they're Royal Naval officers and they're leading two different ships one's the HMS Erebus and one is the HMS Terror. And they're off on an exploratory voyage to try to find the Northwest Passage. Uh, so they're up in the Arctic and they're looking for this thing. And their ships basically get stuck in the ice and they have to survive the winter. Like the ice is shifting. Uh, there's all sorts of other dangers. And it's a really kind of a slow burn of a show. It's part kind of historical drama, part horror, kind of part, part environmental survival story, psychological terror, even a monster mystery. So it's got a little bit of everything. But overall, I, I am a sucker for any story that's set in the Arctic or in Antarctica, anything like that. Uh, even if it's just like a really cold Siberia or something, or like Michigan, uh, if there's like a ton of snow around for some reason, I, I start thinking of like The Thing uh, or Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, like all those types of stories I really get excited about. Man, but I also really, really like... love Christmas. You ever think about that? That you just need <laughs> Christmas, man. I do like Christmas, but I'm from I'm from Florida and I live in Arizona, okay. so I don't really get to see snow very it's often. It's like the white Christmases. No, no. <laughs> um, 
but I've always really liked the stories about like Roald Amundsen and whatnot. So when they're kind of exploring Antarctica or kind of even these Northwest Passage stories. So even like historical, historical settings, historical stories, uh, I, I actually have a couple game like board games actually based off this. Um, but I really, uh, I really like these types of stories. So I was definitely going to watch this. Um, and it, I also like slow burn sh shows, like shows that really take their time to kind of build up tension. And that's one thing that this show does uh, immensely. And it's all set on these two ships and in this particular area um, where they're kind of dealing with being stuck and to some degree dealing with not knowing where they're going, making some poor decisions. Uh, so they're the captains, so they're like the, the two uh, like head officers of this whole exposition, and there are others as well. Um, and then there's also these little flashbacks from time to time that goes back to their time in England, and that's offering like backstory on the characters, giving some depth on it. Um, but it's a weird show because like on this on the surface it, it almost seems like it's just just going to be a historical drama right it's just going to be about these particular people and this particular era trying to discover this northwest passage but there's also these undercurrents of something a little bit more supernatural or mystical going on or monstrous going on uh, they encounter some inuit people and there's all sorts of weirdness going on with uh, with one of the two of them um, early on in the in the in the actual show, one character kind of dies in a really kind of brutal and creepy way. Uh, maybe seeing ghosts, like one guy has to go beneath the water at one point to try to take something on a propeller, and all sorts of weird stuff happens. Uh, and then uh, on an expedition, they might or may not be be being hunted by a polar bear, and that polar bear might not be a polar bear, but might be something else. We don't really know. Uh, so there's all sorts of really interesting little threads going on in this particular this particular show and it's the exact type of show that i would watch like it is i am predisposed to like it and when i watched it i loved it it's on mondays on on amc uh but it's really really good i don't recommend it for people who who don't like slow burn shows because throughout the first you know about the first two episodes which is what the premiere was uh it took a little while for certain things to get going and they were kind of laying the groundwork for relationships and sort of showing you a little bit of what's going on on the two ships and the interaction between the crews uh, but if you're patient with it, and if you like stories that are kind of building tension in a slow way, like I think everything from the setting to the weird, like mysterious story that's going on, uh, to the interactions between some of the some of the higher up officers who aren't quite getting along, there's all sorts of all sorts of little storylines that I think are going to pay off. And at least I hope they pay off. We'll see. Uh, but that's the terror. Uh, it's on AMC. Uh, just started up a couple weeks ago, or about a, about seven or eight days ago at this point. Uh, so you could probably catch up pretty quick if you're interested. So it's like AMC was like, hey, we're losing our Jeff demographic. That's true. Wait, it's been a while. Let's get to the boards and work on this. What can we do? Because I quit Walking Dead. Uh, I I quit. I fell out on like the late couple seasons of Mad Men. Did Breaking Bad, of course. And I tried Fear the Walking Dead and then, then I'm stopped. I'm zombies. I'm so done with zombies. Uh, yeah. So like AMC's yeah. like, no, come back. Come back. And... You know, they they finally found something. I do like Into the Badlands though, so that's another AMC show. I haven't seen that, that, but it looks really neat. We'll have to watch that. It's pretty fun. Talk about it's pretty fun. It. All right, all right, man. What have you been watching? So I went this weekend with my wife to go see Ready Player One. It's you uh, and like half the country apparently. I thought it was limited release, but there were so many people in there. Um, who, who would have thought this yeah. Steven Spielberg guy could draw people to the yeah. theater? I've never heard of him. Yeah, I, I thought it was just a, a new up-and-comer. But basically, it was directed by Steven Spielberg. It's an adaption of the Ernest Cline novel that came out in 2011. Um, so it's genuinely new. 
it's kind of a YA novel, a young adult novel, um, kind of on the lines of like Hunger Games and and Twilight, that type of like age range. But basically, uh, it stars Ty Sheridan, who he's only really been in the X Men Apocalypse movie as Cyclops. That's yeah. the only thing. And I thought like the, the younger funny, version of yeah. like yeah okay like the 90s version of what i thought was hilarious is he's being typecasted as a cyclops style character right (laughs) does he shoot laser beams out of his eyes no but he wears like a head thing that looks like a cyclops glasses the guy's maybe he just has a really ugly upper half he's got yeah like his nose is prominent he's got nice big lips and a big chin like Mm. you're good from here down yeah but like it was good um so Ty Sheridan plays Wade Watts, who was a kid that works uh, that, that is in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and it's in a world that's I think it's 2049, and the world's kind of been uh, run down by environmental hazards and overpopulation, and so for people to get away into the real world, from real world, they go into this thing called the Oasis, created by uh, uh, created by Halliday, and Halliday created this game that basically you can go to school. You can go on any planet you want, experience anything you want, go to parties and everything, just not be you and just escape the realities that are the world that stinks. And so it's the most popular thing in the world. And Halliday passed away, and when he passed away, he left an Easter egg in his game. And if you can find all three keys and unlock the Easter egg, you inherit his fortune and the game. And the game is upwards worth of like a half a trillion dollars. So it's basically a golden ticket. Meanwhile, there is a corporate interest trying to go after it because the... (coughs) And they don't do a really good job explaining this in the movie, but the Oasis is free. And the corporate interest wants to bring it in so you can, like, tier it and make it more expensive and earn money off of it. So that's what they're trying to do. Hey, wait. Um, so it's like it's like a net neutrality thing going on? I just realized of. it. Almost like a net right neutrality now. thing, yeah. Uh, it's like, ping! Yeah. Something just went off in your head. I know. But, I, was um, like, I, I see the connection now. <laughs> oh. Um, <clears throat> it was a beautiful movie. It looked great. It never stopped with action. I love the action in the movie. However, what it lacks of that happens a lot in the book as well is it seems to rely a lot on references in order to keep action strong. Um, yeah, yeah. The book because, definitely does. I haven't seen the movie, but I read the book, and the book yeah. is is constant name dropping and references. And it's stuff. very much like, hey, you remember this cool thing? Right. There's like things of like the Battle Toads, uh, Gundam, and stuff like that. And sure. it was it just kind of like. There's a lot of plot holes that don't make sense. The way he finds his first key is something that every human being does in every game ever. So it doesn't make much sense why he'd be the first one to do it over time. Because what I can say is different about this than the book is that it is completely different from the book. The challenges are all different. So if you read the book, it's a completely new story, but same main points are hit over time. So he doesn't have to beat a dude in joust? Yeah, who would have thought that that would have been exciting for a movie? Him sitting there... With a demon playing, playing joust. joust on an Atari, dude, Joust was fun, man. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't I think it playing that. I was like four. Yeah, I don't think it like plays well on TV. So if they just change the challenges to make it more exciting, and it's just like the story is just about this nobody becoming a somebody, and there's just a lot of plot holes with, with certain stuff that goes on. I, it's a good movie, but it's not Steven Spielberg's best at all, and it really is confusing as to why he took this up, because there's only maybe about. 15 to 20 minutes of live action most of it is in the oasis which is fantastic and i love that stuff it's like cgi yeah and it looks great green screen and it's not overdone it doesn't look stupid i think it looks fantastic but it's just like 
why did this guy come do this? Like, you're Steven Spielberg. You work with, mm-hmm. you know, live-action people, and, like, you make masterpieces with that. So, I don't know. Like, I, I saw something online the other day where it's like, there's eight minutes of CGI in Jurassic Park, and now there's, like, eight to ten minutes of acting in this movie. So, it's complete, like, he's... Complete inverse of it. He's yeah. completely gone the opposite. But, yeah. uh... I give it a solid high C, low B, I guess. It's, okay. it's, it's passing It's passing the test, I guess. But okay. uh, it, it's it's really entertaining. Uh, my wife had a good time. We enjoyed it. Um, but if if you want to like have a thinker, it's not really for you. It's not your normal Steven Spielberg uh, like masterpiece. I just think it's it's really entertaining and fun, just not as great as I thought it could have been. But uh, yeah, I think I think we're probably gonna wait for it to come out on like HBO or Netflix or whatever it's gonna come on. Uh, the the book was I mean I enjoyed the book for the most part I, it just you know it like you said it felt a lot like they were just making a bunch of references to you know Gary Gygax Dungeons and the Dragons and that's cool because I like I got a lot of those references but there's a certain point where I'm just like I don't know like I feel like maybe more development of character and less name dropping. The only thing to say is like there's not so much 80s references it's more modernized. So yeah, there's a lot of Blizzard sense. references and stuff like that because it's more for the, today's audiences like. If you talk about Gary Gygax, the normal people now, or you talked about Joust. normal people, excuse me, sir, Sorry. I'm normal and I know who he is. Uh, kids today, is that better? <laughs> These so, kids like, today. So, okay. like the weird thing, like they had a reference to Buckaroo Banzai in it. Like, I'm young, I'm old, but I don't remember who Buckaroo Banzai is. So it's like stuff like that that the kids wouldn't be able to pick up on these days, but. In the end, it's okay, just not the best. I enjoyed it, but it was also free for me, so I can't complain too much, you know? Right on. So what else have you been up to, man? All right, so I want to talk about another Kickstarter, and I know what you're thinking. Okay, Jeff, you're talking about Kickstarter. I don't know. I, this is, this is turning... Company. I might just do, like, one a week. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> the Kickstarter now, segment. I am what's called a super backer, which kind of is a... It, it, it's a way for Kickstarter to show how much thing? you've backed. It's an actual thing. It's like if you've backed a certain, I don't know what the number is, but you've backed a certain amount of um, like monetary funds over the course of uh, some particular interview. And so apparently I'm a super backer. Anyway, I want to talk about a really exciting uh, one I've been looking forward to for a really long time. It's called Life. Uh, it's up on Kickstarter right now. Uh, when this, when this, when we're recording and when this episode will drop, it still will be up there. Uh, I think the Kickstarter is going to end sometime late April. Uh, but it's called Lifeform. It's a two to four player game. It's set on a mining starship called the Valley Forge. Uh, so I'm immediately involved. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, if I could compare it to a video game, think about Alien Isolation in a sense. Like, so the game itself is about a series of players, people who are part of the mining crew that are that are trying to escape the Valley Forge. And there's this, and one of the players, one person is playing this nearly invincible alien that's just stalking the crew all over this ship trying to kill them before they're able to escape. That's the whole game. And it's it's kind of a, a hidden movement game in a way, uh, similar to if you if anyone's familiar with uh, something like Fury of Dracula or Spectre Ops, uh, something like that, where one one person is playing the, playing the actual alien, everyone else is playing crew, and they're working together versus the alien who's all inside. And now what's really interesting about this particular game in terms of its mechanics is that it uses kind of a... It uses two alien figures or alien tokens that'll be on this board. And the board itself looks like a blueprint of the ship. So it's like a big old layout of the actual ship with all its various rooms and corridors and, uh, and, and exhaust pipes and whatever. 
but there's two specific alien tokens, and you never quite know if you're if you're playing one of the human crew, you never quite know which one's the alien and which one is like a radar echo or something like that. Uh, and there are also ways for both the players and the alien to kind of flip flop those. And so, like at any point in time. Like you might be anticipating that on like the starboard side of the ship, oh, this is definitely the alien, but in fact, it's actually on the port side or something like that. Uh, so that's really nice. Uh, now it's designed by a guy named Mark Chaplin, and I think he's got a design partner by the name of Toby Ferens, and it's being published by Hall or Nothing Productions. Now I mentioned all these things just because I think it's important to mention who's doing this stuff, but also because I like I like all of that. Uh, I'm fans of Chaplin in uh, Hall or Nothing Productions. Chaplin. Uh, he's a designer I came across a couple of years ago when I was looking, when I first got into kind of collecting board games and I was looking for a game that was based on The Thing, which is my all-time favorite IP, and there really wasn't one. But I, but I learned that there was a printer print-and-play version called The Thing that a lot of people liked, and it was a all versus, you know, one versus all, one person played The Thing, everybody else uh, played members of kind of the Arctic Expedition, or the Antarctic Expedition. And he was the designer. And I paid this online printing service to print out this game. And we played it several times. And it is honestly one of my favorite games of all time. It, it's, it's incredible. And then Hall or Nothing Productions uh, decided, like, well, not decided, but they decided they actually designed uh, a game called Gloom of Killforth and published this game called Gloom of Killforth uh, last year. And I backed that on Kickstarter. And that is this kind of gothic fantasy game where everyone is playing a hero of some kind that's exploring all these different lands and locations and with the most amazing artwork I, I can imagine on these cards. And so you're going to different places and you're trying to complete various acts of a saga or this really complex multi-step quest that each player is on. It's fully cooperative. And I have it. I think it's fantastic. It's so much fun. My wife and I play it uh, quite a few times at this point. And so I'm looking at this Kickstarter, I'm like, okay, it's got Mark, guy, thing. he's awesome, he loves the thing, he loves Alien, which is what this game basically is, it's sort of an homage to Alien, right? And then it's got this production company that has put out another game that I love, and so to me, it's it's a total no-brainer, like, it's definitely a game for me. And then you add into the fact that it's a hidden movement game, and I love hidden movement games, I love Spectre Ops, I love Fury of Dracula, I love this game called Mr. Jack, this old, kind of, older game that uh, has to do with, like, Sherlock Holmes and Jack the Ripper, and kind of weird cartoonish art with that too. Uh, but I really like hidden movement games. And so all of these things are coming together uh, to create what looks to me like my perfect game. Now it's not, it doesn't have like heavy miniature uh, or anything like that. So it's not weighing the price down. Uh, you can get a copy some, somewhere between like 60 and 80 bucks or so, depending upon whether you want, want the, the uh, solo, the solo expansion, because you can actually buy a, a solo way to play the solo. I don't really do the whole solo board game. I mean, I do it on my app, like on my apps or on Steam or something like that, but I don't necessarily lay out the physical game. Uh, but it seems like it has a lot of factors for increasing tension because not only are the players being stalked by this invincible alien, but there's also a running timer in the game that's the self-destruct countdown. Uh, so like, it's just constantly going, depending upon what players do, it might accelerate that countdown. And if players don't escape before that countdown runs down, then the ship explodes and, you know, they're on it. So that's, that's, that's bad, right? That's bad. So they're going around the ship, trying to collect items, trying to complete some quests, some objectives, trying to get to a shuttlecraft that's on the other side of the ship without dying to this alien that's constantly stalking them. The other thing I really love about it is that it doesn't involve dice. There's no dice here, so you're not chucking dice to see who wins the battle. Uh, but you're, it's using card play, so there is some element of RNG, but not not as much as dice to me. And that's okay. I'm okay with dice, but in this particular game, I really like the idea of card play. 
Um, and there's, you actually do some crafting in here too, which is cool. I always like when games include some sort of element of crafting, like putting items together to create a new item. Uh, so overall, I am super excited about this. I can't wait. Sounds uh, like I know that my wife and I will probably play it. And I would want to play both Alien and Crew. So it doesn't really matter for me. Like I can play either side of it. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to this. Uh, I would encourage anybody who likes board games, anybody who likes Alien, the franchise, anybody who likes uh, likes hidden movement games, definitely take a look at this Kickstarter. Uh, it's up right now. It's called Lifeform. Uh, it's being published by Hall or Nothing Productions. So what about you, man? What's up with you? All right, well, uh, last thing. It's a really small thing. Not a big deal. But to me, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, Bill and Ted 3 is coming out uh, soon. Probably the next couple of years or so. Uh, mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly did a big spread on them this past weekend talking about the future of Bill and Ted and what they plan on doing. And so basically... Um, Keanu Reeves and the guy who played Bill, which I can't remember because he's only been Bill ever. So we'll just say uh, a Bill Esquire. Uh, so Keanu Reeves and Bill Esquire sure. came together for a, um, a, a, a an interview for Entertainment Weekly about what's happening with the new Bill and Ted movie. So basically, the guys who made uh, Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey have been working on a script since 2010. So it's eight years in the making so far, and they pretty much have finished it up. And so basically it's going to be called Bill and Ted Face the Music. And it focuses on how their righteous music created a utopia in the entire world. And that Rufus said that that's, you know, uh, Carlin said back in the old movies, that that's how they created utopias with their beautiful music. Because they're sure. the most rocking, the Wild Stallions are the most rocking Wild band of Stallions, all time. Yeah. So uh, basically it's going to be kind of like a, uh, Christmas Carol type of thing where they have to go through time and in space through their uh, telephone booth to basically understand what it takes for them to create the ultimate soundtrack in order to save uh, the planet and make an ultimate utopia. Um, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm super into it because I also heard that death is returning and if death is involved, just like how it was in Bogus Journey, which I love <laughs> Bogus Journey. Bogus Journey is really good. Stage and not many people like it. Like the station thing, I love. I love, love Bogus Journey. It's great. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing the new chapter in the Bill and Ted universe. It's a little small caveat, but I'm really excited about it. So cool. that's also going on with me. All right, man. It's the movie. Breakdown. All right. The Titan is a 2018 Netflix original movie directed by Leonard Ruff and written by Max Hurwitz and Arash Amel. Uh, It's set a few decades in the future when humanity has all but destroyed the Earth, uh, and it stars Sam Worthington as Lieutenant Rick Jansen. Uh, He's recruited by a genetics professor named Martin Collingwood, who's played by the venerable Tom Wilkinson, uh, to participate in a highly controversial experiment looking to evolve humans to a point where they can live on Titan one of Saturn's moons. Uh, Rick is one of several recruits who live with their families on a military base, all while undergoing these treatments and tests. Uh, these recruits grow stronger and they grow faster as they go through tests and they take, uh, they take on this, this serum, this, these different drugs that are being, they're being pumped into them. Uh, but in doing so, there's all sorts of deadly complications that arise from their attempt to essentially accelerate evolution. Now, Taylor Schilling plays Dr. Abby Jansen, who's Rick's wife, and she grows increasingly troubled about the changes in her husband, changes that she fears are destroying, who, who he once was. Uh, but 
Professor Collingwood insists they're necessary for him, humanity's survival. So we'll try not to spoil too much as we break down the Titan, but just know there's always going to be some plot points that we cover. And if we ever do any major spoilers, we're probably, we'll probably warn you. So the Titan, Justin, what'd you think? So um, I wanted this movie not knowing anything about it. I didn't watch the previews or anything. You said there's sure. a movie on Netflix called the Titan. Yeah. And we should watch it. And I said, okay. Well, I'm really digging like these Netflix originals. Like, they take know. chances. That's what I gotta give them at least. They're like, taking their chances. Right, what they're doing. The Titan. Yeah. I'm not saying they're all great or anything, but I just yeah. like the fact that we're getting like brand new, yeah, really high quality movies with uh, good actors know. and stuff. Like it's not like yeah. they're throwing out yeah, garbage. Yeah. yeah, good old Sam. I was an Avatar Worthington. Yep. Good old uh, Commander Sully. Uh, so that's a that's a pretty good cast if you think about it. It's got yeah. Sam Worthington. It's got Tom Wilkinson. It's got Taylor Schilling from uh, was that Orange Is the New Black and everything. So that's it's why I couldn't I couldn't figure out the whole time of the movie. I'm watching like, where is this woman from that I can't? Oh yeah. That's all. So Orange Is the New Black Lady. That's what it was. Anyways, so the movie to me was almost great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that. The first two acts, I was sure. really into it. I really enjoyed. It's like we share a brain. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, the, the burn that they put into you, like, oh, there's something not right here. Something's yep. not good. And obviously, since it's a sci-fi movie, obviously, it's not going to be great. But, like... I was really curious about seeing what the turn was going to be. And then they show the turn and you're like, mm -hmm. okay. And then the whole thing happens. And at some point, the third act turned to complete and utter garbage. It made oh. no sense. It's, it's like everything that transpired in the last, I don't know, 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, I'm just like, what? Like there is a particular scene and I don't have to ruin this, but there's a specific scene where Abby is chasing Rick down and they she tracks him down at this spot like up on a kind of a hillside kind of mountainside where they had gone for a run prior in the movie and it's at night and then like stuff happens and then there's this really weird hard cut and then all of a sudden she's in a completely different place there's really no explanation for how this happens and that's what the story just goes off the rails like it just makes no sense after that point like that particular moment to me is the line of demarcation between when this movie was was kind of doing pretty well and then just went completely sideways or like even what they had her do in that facility afterwards like that hard cut and then in that facility and what they have her do makes no sense like why can't why, why can't yeah. they why can't they do that like yeah there's just so many things that like the pool scene the reasoning and everything that happens behind it makes no sense um mm -hmm. Like and it's just... a very important scene. There's a specific yeah. scene that happens three quarters into the movie around a pool, you know, without ruining everything, where like stuff goes down, right? Like stuff, some serious stuff goes down, and it doesn't quite make sense for how and why it transpires the way it does. Like, and, and it was just sort of an abrupt shift in a way. Like it's, it's just a terrible job of like visual storytelling with with a essentially a being that can't talk at the end and the visual storytelling with that right. being was was awful um yeah. and like the setup to it and, and and you know a lot of times these movies for me like i want to see them let's get to like the whole point is they're trying to get to uh the moon the titan moon of saturn yeah titan. That's, that's yeah. what they're trying to get to and like a lot of times i'm like oh, okay let's see what we get there now let's get to saturn i want to see what the 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 high like there's low fantasy and high fantasy right or low okay. sci-fi, high sci-fi. 
A lot of this movie was low sci-fi, right? Just little dash here and there. Just like, okay, something's weird. They didn't dive into the science too heavily. Yeah. yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, let's get into it. Let's see the, the hard sci-fi. And right. I was like, well, maybe we should go to Titan and see what goes on there. But then, like, I was really enjoying everything that was not that at all. Or they were barely kind of, like, scraping that idea at all. Right. I just kind of, like, the character development, what's happening to him, the relationship with him and his wife as he's going through this pain. And I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then they took this shift... And it became complete garbage. It made no sense. Yeah. Like when they decided to go hard like sci-fi, a monster movie out of nowhere. Just but like, like with zero, none of it made any sense. Like, right? It's like we always use this analogy all the time. It's like when Anakin turns on the Jedi, right? <laughs> like, it's true. It's, it's true. Like, we're gonna. This is gonna be a running gag of this entire damn podcast. Like, well, when, like, like, like the the joke for us is like, I I always understood in the moment why Anakin's like, no, let me protect like, you know, the Supreme, you know, the Supreme Chancellor. Right? Right. I, I always, I, I always understood that. Like, let me, Samuel Jackson, I'm sorry. Like, no, you can't kill him. I can buy that. But then him like, okay, next step, kill a bunch of younglings. Like what, like, kill what babies. the hell did that happen? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I don't understand. Sense. Like, so I never quite understood that. And it had that really hard turn. It was one of those moments where like a character does something that just doesn't really seem consistent with the character that had been built up at that point. And I think some of that happens here, even and not even really with the main character too, because I don't think he really did anything particularly bizarre. I mean, some of the side characters here and there. It's just for the movie me, overall. The, yeah, the movie overall made this turn. I think of all the characters that made really strange shifts for me, it was Tom Wilkinson's character. Because for most of the movie, like I think he makes sense. Like I think the stuff he's saying makes sense, sure. And then at the end, he just turns into like this generic kind of villain. I'm out a of bad like, guy. You should it's like, like, I am bad. Like, and he's threatening murder and doing all sorts of weird stuff. And you're like, wait, wait, what? Like, why are you doing that right now? Like, can can everyone just take a minute and can we just talk out? Like, can we just can we just you know rationalize some things and just just sort of reason things out here for a second? Because what what everyone's trying to do right now just doesn't really make sense at this point. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so like, yeah it's really bizarre I, i've always mentioned that like my favorite villains are the ones where you can get behind almost they just go about it the wrong way like magneto. They, yeah it makes sense like, like yeah i totally agree with you yeah magneto is a perfect villain because mm-hmm. he's right in what he's saying but the way he's going about it is awful and the new black panther movie yeah. um uh i know you haven't seen it yet but the new black That's panther okay. movie eric killmonger who's played by uh, michael b jordan his motivations is the best motivations out of any Marvel villain yet. Like you, you can say you know you're absolutely right, but he goes about it a terrible way. This guy, mm-hmm. it starts off like that, and you're like, okay, it makes sense. And then mm-hmm. you just like, no, nope, now you don't make it. <laughs> like I can't get behind you at all. Like, yeah, a good villain is someone who's like, even when they're done, you're like, oh, God, or they just have to be completely opposite. Like, right. Um, and I felt that's kind of like what he was. Like that's kind of what he was doing is. In the beginning of the movie, like the points that he is making, like, listen, like Earth is dying, like at least as a way to to shelter humans, like humans are not going to be able to live on this planet for a whole lot longer. So we need to do drastic action to try to extend the survival of the species. That's what he's arguing for. And I think everyone was kind of on board with that. Rick was on board with that. Abby was supporting, was supportive of that in the beginning. All the other people on the base, they were supportive, etc. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, we are successful. 
Oh, uh, no, now we're upset. Like, wait, what? Like, why? Oh, it's man. like they ran a funding for the movie and they couldn't pay <laughs> the normal writers. And they're like, yeah. uh, here, uh, you uh, interns, finish this for us, would you? We're going to yeah. make a, a couple million dollar movie out of this, could you? I mean, we really need you guys to finish this uh, essay for us. That's what and it just I, kind of felt like. Yeah, and I want to like put a spoiler tag right here. So if you're listening to this and you don't want to know how the movie ends, stop listening for like about a minute. So... At the very end of the movie, the very, very end of the movie, just to tell you, like, Justin, you know this, he gets to Titan. He goes to Titan in his new evolved humanoid form, right? But when you think about it, he's on this planet that has none of its own vegetation, none of its own wildlife. He has no way to eat. He has no way to do anything. He's all alone. He's all by himself. But hey, he can fly all over the place. Like, what the heck, man? Like, that's not... like that's not a success story you know so i, I found like looking very, up at, uh, looking up at him like you're doing great it. up there honey you're doing yeah, great and meanwhile just, meanwhile bad dad's yeah. flying around titan it's, it's kind yeah. of like, it's weird it was such a dumb ending like it just absolutely <laughs> was was dumb like i can't think of a better term for it so yeah end spoiler on that but the end really not particularly not particularly happy yeah so I, I how think would you how would you rate this then in, the, in this whole in this whole thing like i guess like what i would recommend you, it would you somebody? recommend someone to see this i would recommend if you have oh, listen understand like where where i'm coming from when it comes to these types of movies right for me the bar for how good a movie has to be that I watch on Netflix for like, what is it, 10 bucks a month now, where I'm already paying that it's service just a to watch cost other things. Of life. It's basically like uh, the, drinking water now. Yeah, my my standards for like how good the movie has to be to sit there and watch it for an hour and a half on my own couch where I can do other things if I wanted to or something like that while also watching this movie are much lower than the standards I would set for a movie in the theater. And so with that in mind, like, I think the Titan, if you're a sci-fi fan, is worth a watch. I mean, it's definitely worth a watch because I think the slow burn over the course of the first two acts, I do think it's pretty good. I think there's a lot of interesting that, things that happen. I think it raises some interesting questions, albeit sometimes clumsily. And just no going in that it's it's going to take a weird turn and you're going to have to just sort of accept it like because they're not going to put up a revision or anything. Like You're just going to have to accept it. So like I do recommend it. I, if this was in the theaters, there's no way I would recommend this. This would be like one of those wait till it comes I would have been out. So angry! You know? I would have left oh, the theater yeah. so mad. Yeah, like I would not. I wouldn't. I would not recommend that you you spend additional money to go see this. But if you already have a Netflix account and you're looking for something to watch, then I I definitely think there's far worse that you can watch. It's it's fairly well produced. I think it's got some uh, some good you know some good moments here and there it's it's got a nice wholesome family story like underneath it as well which is really nice the kind of interaction of that family and what's actually happening between you know between husband and wife between you know rick and his son like there's interesting things to make you care about what happens to these people but like ultimately like it's not a great movie That's but it's a it's a, it's, a it's an okay it's an okay netflix movie like it is really what it boils down to netflix what about is you doing this right now man it's like you really want it to be good and it's all right. And then it's just something. Yeah. I mean, we yeah. watched, we watched, we did it with our, some of our earlier test episodes. We're trying to figure out. We watched Cloverfield Paradise. And it's yeah. just like, okay, okay what? Yeah. what? What? Well, I think I, I like, I kind of like that movie though, to be honest. Yeah. Like in a weird way. Like it's weird and Tacked goofy. on garbage. But just yeah. like, I just, I want Netflix to cross that, 
because they're also doing sci-fi, mm-hmm. which is good, to, which I love about it. They're they're yeah, sci-fi, they're producing a right. lot of yeah, sci-fi, right. but mm-hmm. they're getting that problem where like they're trying to do sci-fi to reach the masses, and sometimes sci-fi needs to be weird and niche, you know, and well, and, and it can stay that way and not have to like have a weird ending i guess i don't know you know like sci-fi channel movies like sci-fi movie sci-fi channel movies that are specifically made to like be on television like it's like those but better you know so like i think these movies are better than them like they're not as they're not like b movies like they're honestly attempting to create a good movie now granted they're not succeeding that you know consistently so far or at least they, they don't hold it all the way through from beginning to the end but i like what they're doing and i i mean i'm gonna keep watching them like if if you know, they made a sequel to the Titan. I would totally watch it when they make the sequel to, to Bright, which I think they're doing. I'm going to watch that too. You know, they're not without their flaws, but again, like if you already I wouldn't, if you don't have a subscription to Netflix, this is not a movie that should drive you to Netflix. But if you have a subscription to Netflix and if you like sci-fi, I definitely think this is a movie worth checking out. You know, as long as you go in with tepid expectations, like, you know, that, you know, this isn't gonna, this isn't, this isn't 2001, a space odyssey or anything like that. Like it's, it's interesting at times, but it gets kind of weird and loose at the end. I I would not, I can't think of a single instance or reason why I would say to someone, Hey, you should watch this. So Uh, see, that's, that's, I think you're being too harsh. You you honestly said, dude, you literally said two thirds of the movie was good. Yeah. You said two thirds of the movie was good. When she starts walking through the facility, just turn off the movie and think that everything went great, and then you can. Yeah, that's what I think. Like once the once the pool scene happens, just stop. Just watch this. Like, well, I assume everything works out just fine. Everyone has a great time. Yeah, Yeah, that's cool. I guess that I guess that's my uh, bad recommendation. All right. So with the breakdown this week, the Titan up on Netflix right now. It's an original movie. You can find it uh, on your streaming service. A slight recommendation on my part, definitely not a recommendation on Justin's part. Nope. All right, so I think we're going to head over and let Justin uh, geek out a little bit about some comics now. It's time for the bi-weekly pool. So uh, today on my bi-weekly pool... I chose to read East of West by Jonathan Hickman with uh, art by Nick Dragotta or Dragota. I'm sure I'm murdering his name. Uh, so I'm basically, pretty sure it's probably one of those two things. Uh, I'm going to wait. Or completely guess. different, probably. Who knows? Maybe it's so, Smith. <laughs> just a different spelling. So East it's of West more, is Norwegian. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's, I don't see the, the weird like Asante Gu on it or whatever. Exactly. Um, so East of West is basically a story about, it's like cyberpunky, futuristic Western. Best way for me to describe it. Sure. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, I first I thought little, it was just going to be straight Western. fact about me, Justin. I love Westerns and I love cyberpunk. So I'm, I'm actually interested. So, Normally okay. I ignore you when you talk about comics, but I'm interested. You have, you've caught my interest. Yes, please continue. So um, basically in this weird dystopian type future, um, these three beings transport down the middle of the desert. Uh, one's blue, one's green, and one's red. And you find out it is famine, uh, it is conquest, and it is war. No, famine, conquest, and what's the third one? There's pestilence. That's right? famine. So famine's pestilence, conquest. No, pestilence is disease. Is it right? Isn't pestilence the same thing? Different? I think they're just the same thing. Anyways, okay. famine, conquest, and 
We're terrible. War. You think I would just like look this up? Things are are conquest and war the same thing? Maybe. Anyways, it's three of the horsemen <laughs> of the four apocalypse. We got it. We figured it out. Yeah. yeah three of the four yeah. horsemen show up. The fourth one's not there, and they seem very upset about it. And they say they're basically going to hunt him down and kill him. So something happened that made him not end up with them. And so the story is about death. Death is the protagonist of the book. And he is an awful person because he's death. He goes around and kills lots of people. He's followed by two Native American style people, creatures. They're called mystics. They have like the power of like magic. One of them can transport into a bunch of crows. One of them can turn into a bunch of wolves. So like they have like these special powers. And basically they're killers. He rides on a horse that is a machine. It's got like a, a cannon face. It's very strange. And basically you learn what happened to death, why he abandoned the other horsemen of Apocalypse. The other horsemen of Apocalypse want the Apocalypse to occur, but they can't do it without death. And death has given up. He's quit. And uh -huh. he's... he's he's Something caused him to stop. He and, got an offer in a Bill and Ted movie. Yes. So. He's the new uh -huh. Rufus. Or no, no, he's the new death. No, he's okay. actually... Oh, my so, God. Way to ruin my joke. Big old alley-oop, and I just didn't even dunk it at all. I just whiffed. <laughs> Uh, but uh, basically, it's a story about there's a secret society that works with the other three horsemen of the apocalypse that are trying to make it happen. For some reason, they want the apocalypse to occur. There's uh, people within that group that don't agree with it 100%. And so there's all these different things. I love Jonathan Hickman. He's my one of my favorite writers in all of comic books right now. He came up with a fantastic, not the beast, not the, and this is lame, a fantastic, fantastic forerun. Like, there's no other way to describe it. It's one of the best written things. The problem There's no him, other way to describe it? No, 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 no. There's no other way it's but perfect. Fantastic, Fantastic Four? There's it's no perfect. Other, he, okay. he does very cryptic writing. Like the first two comics of this whole collection of six comics, I had no idea what was going on. Because he does that. He does a lot of setup. But all the setup pays off. He'll do things okay. in a run of like 30 comics that doesn't pay off for two years. He's like, oh, I remember his second comic in the run. Like he does, he's very smart. Very well written. He left Marvel recently. He's doing a lot of stuff for Image right now. East of West is an Image comic, which means that he has full rights and priorities over all the characters and all stuff because what Image does, they privatize and like basically say that if you created a character, it's your character. You can't, other people can't mess with it. A lot of problems with like Marvel and stuff. If I write a comic about Spider-Man and another guy writes a comic about Spider-Man, it has to stay within continuity. We can't just have our own character. Like, you have to like work with the group and the image you choose what happens and so that's what he's doing and this is a really interesting story i'm very hooked by it i'm looking forward to uh reading more of it um it's really interesting how death decided to quit and why he decided to quit and it's also an extremely brutal book like horrifically bloody but really fun to like watch and see like the type of stuff that's happening in this type of world cool. so that's east of west by jonathan hickman uh art again by nick dragata Sure, I did it wrong again, but uh, I highly, highly recommend it. Art by Nick Smith. Yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right, man. That sounds really interesting, actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and head over to the challenge for this week. And now it's time for the gentleman's challenge. All right, so our gentleman's challenge segment is where each of us decides to get the other to watch something or do something that we're not particularly 
interested in doing just to see what would happen. And then in order to make sure that we hold each other accountable, uh, the next week on the next show, uh, we quiz each other to see how much attention was paid. Uh, so for this week, Justin challenged me to watch Runaways. Now, Runaways is a Hulu show created by Stephanie Savage and Josh Schwartz. And it's based on a Marvel comic of the same name written by Brian K. Vaughn, who I'm sure you know more about than I do. Fantastic writer. I love his stuff. It's great. Cool. It's a shame what happened to his show. Uh, it stars a bunch of young people who I don't know. Uh, but I did recognize two people. Uh, one of them was the dude from Alias, and the other was Annie Vershing from uh, 24. I remember her. Uh, it's about a bunch of high school kids and former friends who have drifted apart over the past year, I think, uh, because of the death of Amy, who is the sister of Nico, who's one of the, those teenage kids. Uh, they all go to the same high school. But initially, what brought them together was their parents, who all seem to serve the same, quote, charity organization. Uh, you learn later it's not entirely a charity organization. I think it's called Pride. Uh, Alex Wilder is kind of the centerpiece. I guess he's sort of the lead character here. Uh, and he tries to get the band back together and have a pizza party at his ridiculously large house. Uh, and while the group is at his house, they find a secret passage that leads to a chamber where their charitable parents seem to be sacrificing an innocent woman. Uh, it's, and the specific woman, his name is Destiny, who we actually saw her at the very beginning of the pilot episode, and she sort of comes back at the end here. Um, from what I understand in the series, based upon descriptions I've seen online, the parents are supervillains, uh, but we don't get a whole lot of confirmation of that in the pilot. And the kids, some of the kids seem to be developing some kind of powers and stuff like that. So, so that's Runaways. It's on Hulu right now. I, is it is it one season? Maybe only one season so far. Yeah, I think they just sure. finished up. It was one of the few shows that Hulu does like a weekly release for. You know, oh, just gosh. do a dump. I thought we've episode. evolved past that. Yeah. What, what is this? I should binge everything. That's how it should work. But yeah. So I mean, overall, it was it was fine like it's not really my thing uh justin likes to give me one of two types of challenges because uh, we've done a couple practice episodes before we started really recording and releasing i'm trying he likes to either a give me teen angst shows and and i always ask the question is there any other kind of angst and then he also likes to do superhero stuff because he knows that superheroes really aren't my bag uh and so here he found a way to do both uh which is wonderful um overall i thought the show was fine uh i didn't think it was good i didn't think it was terrible i definitely knew that this was not a show that i would watch or i wouldn't stick with it um at all there was really nothing that hooked me too much uh, i also felt like the pacing was kind of slow throughout the, the first episode and it took them a while to really started start doing it. like the very end scene and where they're like the the parents are stuffing destiny into some weird glowy box like that was kind of cool i guess but that honestly happens after an hour of a bunch of other stuff um, I didn't really find any of the characters particularly interesting. Uh, a lot of them seem to follow familiar stereotypes and tropes. Uh, so you have like the really innocent Miss Perfect. You have kind of like the jock guy. Um, you have kind of social justice warrior. Uh, you know, you got a lot of that, so, which is good in the sense that it's, it's giving people a chance to find somebody to identify with. But on the other hand, part of me felt like they were actually designing these characters for... Yeah, it felt a little bit more like you know build a build a you know build a small teenage group by the numbers. Like they're painting by numbers instead of creating like kind of interesting, unique characters in their own right. Um, so, I mean, it 
it was okay. Like it, it was like I don't hate it. So like it would be funny if it, if I really really hated it and I can just whine and complain. Uh, and it would be nice if I really loved it too and I can just sing its praises. But I, it's actually probably really bad because it's right in the middle where it's just like I'm sort of indifferent towards it. Uh, I tried watching a second episode, uh, but my Hulu broke down, and I took that as a sign from the universe that I probably shouldn't watch this Please, again. Jeff. Don't, uh, don't do yeah, this. so I think it is like you probably you just probably shouldn't do it. So um, I'm definitely not the person, by the way, to to make these judgments on on these types of shows because this isn't this isn't made for me. I, Justin is the Marvel fanboy. I'm not I like Marvel stuff, but I'm not as into it as he is. Uh, and this seems a little bit f further deeper down uh, into the uh, into the universe than I probably am willing to go at this point. Um, a couple of characters were kind of interesting. Like there's one really funny part where <laughs> I can't remember her name. I think maybe, maybe Veronica. I don't know. No, that can't be it. Virginia. That's from, that's from uh, Oh, that was from Riverdale. From Riverdale. See, I got Riverdale on the mind. I love that, it that so was, much. I, the show is great. <laughs> it sucks. I can't watch season two. I'm so upset. Uh, but anyway, like there was a really funny moment. There are a couple of funny moments here and there. Um, and I thought the power stuff seemed kind of interesting. I'm kind of curious where that's going to go. There's a dinosaur, which is, you know, that's always cool. Uh, I don't understand why there's a dinosaur. So I kind of want to know about that. Uh, but overall, kind of meh from me. So what do you got for me? What are my questions? All right. So I got four questions to go with this masterpiece of a TV show. Which, by the All way, right. in, in my in my opinion, I think the show's okay as well. It's good. I like watching it with my wife. Like It's it's one of those cool. shows that like my wife can get into as well as Marvel. But it's also like super close to the source material. It's like a few mm -hmm. things that they're off of, like the main things, because the big turn in the comic makes no sense. But like <laughs> in the movie, the show they're trying to make it look better. So here's my quiz questions. Bring um, it. My first quiz question for you: uh, What do they think is happening to Molly at first? Molly's the the youngest girl that's super strong. At first, when she's getting oh uh, yeah yeah, what uh, is going she's, on? She's she's getting her first period. <laughs> That is, even though she looks like she's clearly like 15, 16 years old. I actually thought some of the actors <laughs> really lined up. Like I bought them as teenagers. Like all the people in Riverdale, nah, no, not really. But all of the people, a lot of the people on the this show, guy's I was like, okay, 35. I could buy them as high schoolers. So yeah, she was getting, uh, she's getting her first period. She was having some bad cramps. Right, I so thought that's... that when she was, since she was trying out for the cheerleader and she said, I had really bad cramps. I thought that the head cheerleader was totally going to be mean to her, and she wasn't. So I'm like, oh, that's actually very this nice. This doesn't make any sense. I'm not used to head cheerleaders being nice to other people. <laughs> all right, but, so you got yourself one point for that, my friend. Sweet, so, sweet. Starting off hot. All right, here we go. Yep. Second Bring question. It. What is Nico's mother's special device that she uses? What is that? Which, which one's Nico? That's, I can't give you that information. You can That's tell me which Nico. That's completely, it's it's completely like a, irrelevant. It's like a kid coming up to me during a test saying, uh, which formula do I use? I can't do this, all right? I have to, this is a question. Nico, oh, never mind. I remember. Nico Nico was Amy's sister, right? Uh-huh. Right? Sounds I about agree. right. This, this, is, this is the reaction I have with my kids. I go, that sounds about right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I agree that she has a mother. Uh, okay. <laughs> beyond that, I remember at one point Nico like knocked a trophy down and broke the trophy. Uh, I guess that was Amy's and put on some stockings that were Amy's. Uh -huh. uh, but that's all I remember. I don't. I don't know. Her uh, her special device is she had a staff, 
and this staff helped put the bubble around them. Like a group of people that do her bidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a, (laughs) she had like a secretary, a couple of interns. She had like a. Justin, administrative assistant, please. Sorry, my bad. So she had a staff, and this staff is a very special staff and has a very important deal later on in the show. So. Okay. That's what she had. So, unfortunately, Jeff, I'm going to have to mark that one wrong for you. So, you're just, you're one for two at the moment. Let me hear the sound of me marking this off. Okay. All right. So, yeah, nice. Nice. I'm batting uh, 500, and that good. would put me in the Hall of Fame, so I feel okay. Okay. Next question. Uh, what is the name of the church that the cult uh, revolves around? If I get this wrong, it would be really bad because it was on a, it was on a van, mm-hmm. and they said it like a thousand mm-hmm. times. Uh, and it kind of sounds like somebody is just mumbling when they say it. Uh, and this is all just ramp up to me giving you the answer because I'm feeling really confident about this one. The Church of Gabor. Oh, Gabor. Absolutely. It Gaborm. is the Church of Gabor. Good job. So that's two for three. I like to call it the Church of Gaborum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And next question, the final question for the right. quiz today. So we're, we're two of three. We can finish okay. this off with a really good ending. We'll see how this goes. Uh, but for the last question... What is Chase's sport of choice? Which one's Chase? Chase is the handsome one. His sport. Could you you be more specific there? The white one. He's the white male. Oh, he's the jock guy. Yeah, what is Uh, his sport? Hey, side question. uh, As I think about that. Um, So it seems like there's a love triangle in the group between Chase and Miss Perfect, but also Chase and Social Justice Purple-haired uh, character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, does he end up with either of the two? Just... I, I, will, I will spoil this for you after you answer this question. I will spoil a couple things for you. Uh, but what is his sport? Okay, what see, place? I feel like this is a trick question because... Like the ob- uh, this is not my answer. I'm just, I'm, just wa- I'm just walking through it, okay? So... It feels like the obvious answer is something like football or baseball or basketball because those are like the big three, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I feel like it can't be that. I feel like it has to be like a different kind of sport. Okay. Now, okay. they're also all really rich. You're walking me through this. I like okay. it. And there's a couple sports that I think rich people play. Okay. All right. Okay. Golf. Uh-huh. Tennis. Yes. And- and lacrosse. Okay. I have no idea if rich people actually play lacrosse. They also I... love to play uh, Fight Club. I know this as well. Do they really? Yeah. Is that a sport? I don't think there is. Do they have that in high schools now? I know in some of the... the Final the answer, lacrosse. Oh, lacrosse. Okay. Lacrosse is absolutely correct, sir. You get That's lacrosse. Great. So you are three That's for four. That's a passing grade. I actually got a 75%. I'm Three excited. Four. C's get degrees, Justin. That's true. That's how true. I made it through high school, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, side note, minor spoilers. Yeah. It is a love triangle between Gert. Her name's Gert. Uh, for, oh. Short for, short oh, my God. It, it's short for Gertrude, right? For Gertrude. It's an awful. Yeah, because if not, that's like the worst thing you could do. So, there's a love triangle between Chase, Gert, and uh, I forget the girl's name. It was like the, the Miss Perfect. Yeah, uh, but it turns out the Miss Perfect's a lesbian. Gert ends Molly? up with Chase. Is it Molly? Molly's the young Molly? girl. Okay, no, I forget. That's not it. The Miss Perfect ends up becoming a lesbian. Okay. Uh, and Gert falls in love with Chase, and they, uh, she, the the uh, Raptor is like mentally linked to her. 
sure. show becomes like part of her. She ends up dying, and then uh, Chase brings... falls in love with the raptor. No, well, Chase has the raptor with him. Also, Chase makes gloves that are very, very similar to your favorite AD carry on League of Legends. And I'm a thousand percent sure that it belongs in a museum. Yes. I'm a thousand percent sure that they stole the idea of that character from this comic book because the comic book looks exactly like him with the exact same power gloves. Okay. A thousand percent sure. One day we should do a retrospective on the power glove for the NES. All right, sure. Episode 76. That's your minor spoilers for the, for the show. I know you were really dying to figure out what it was. All right, that's All right. enough of Runaways. Let's move over to your challenge this week. You want to introduce it? My movie was a 1983 Fantastic masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. Known as Kroll. Okay. That's correct. That's correct. Spelled K-R-U-L-L. Kroll. Mm-hmm. It was directed by Peter Yates. I did a little bit of research on him. This is the only movie he directed. Um, Why direct another one when you've already directed the best movie ever made? When you've like created you can't perfection. make two best movies that yeah. ever made. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not the case. Uh, this movie's garbage. Um, so that is, oh, that is so it's wrong. So bad. Peter Yates is the director. Um, it stars Ken Marshall, who pay, plays Colwyn, Corwin. Yeah. Something. Yes. Something. When. Yes. And uh, it all it has a whole bunch of other actors, including a very young Liam Neeson. I think it's maybe <laughs> it's like his, no, it's his, like his third movie. I think it's I think super it's young, yes. still handsome, still yes. super awesome. Uh, yes, looks still very much like Qui Gon Jinn. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, basically, the story of Kroll is the planet Kroll has a outside visitor land on top of it. it is a black temple. <laughs> Land so it's on like, top of it. Yeah, so it's like a space station, which, by the way, the sure. space station takes a good 10 minutes to land. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it lands, and basically, this Kroll world is, like, futuristic, but, like, also medieval. So, like, yes. you have guys in knights in armor, and there's castles, and they're riding horses, but then there's guys wearing, like, plastic suit armor. It's, like, really yes. weird. Um, yes. They shoot lasers, but then also fight with swords, which seems terribly ineffective. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like you should probably. Who brings a broadsword to a laser fight? That's my thought. I just in don't my, think. I mean, the way I view it, like in Star Wars, they use glow sticks to attack people. So, I mean, let's be honest. Right? Sure, thing. but they also have speedsters. They didn't run around on horses. The, the they movies... weren't just any horses, though. Yeah, they that... were a special name that I forget. That's later. They get those special chargers that are, like run like fire. Mm-hmm. But we're the getting. Let's, let's talk chargers. about the plot first. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're a bunch of Philip Rivers. So, yes. uh, basically, the uh, the king or the prince and the princess are getting married from two different nations, and they need That's this correct. marriage. They need this marriage to link the countries so they can rule the entire world. And you during the marriage, class. yeah, during the marriage, uh, the people from the Black Temple come down and steal the woman away. And so that he could, so the, the big monster, I don't know what it was, like fish monster, uh, the dark one, uh, can steal her away and make her his... I believe his uh, name queen. was The Beast. Okay, I thought it was the dark one. Um, it could be, I don't know, it's been like... So, it's a basically, it's about this prince going across the world to try and save the damsel in distress. Yes. And every, and... 
everything in the movie just is weird and strange. There's a cyclops. There's You're a guy amazing. who can transform. There's sure. uh, a bunch of thieves. Absolutely. Uh, it's basically a guy. Oh, there's quicksand. Uh, it's basically of like there is. when I was watching this movie, I felt like this was some guy's D and D campaign, and he wanted to make it into a movie. I'm okay, more so I read once and I have no idea if this is true that Kroll maybe might have been supposed to be like a Dungeons of Dragons movie like I read that once uh-huh. uh you know on the internet so it's probably true yeah. but you know uh so maybe there's some truth to that I just I'd be more interested in seeing the documentary about this film than this actually actual film I'm really curious cuz there's a lot of good parts to it. Like, the miniatures are really yeah. good. The matte paintings are really good. Some of the okay. production's fantastic. There's really good uh, on-location uh, on scenes where they're in these great mountains and stuff. And uh, good pastures. And, like, I'm like, they must have spent some money to locate this stuff and set up all the lighting and everything. It's really good. But you have terrible dubbing in the movie. Uh, the story makes... No ungodly sense at all. Um, I disagree with that, sir. I give and, you the dubbing. That's that. I agree. So bad. And uh, like, it's just like certain things like don't really look good at all. Like the castle. At sometimes the castle looks good, but other times the castle looks like it was made in maybe a day. And they mm-hmm. had to just like hastily put it to fit, finish putting it together. It's just sure. very strange. Um, the there's claymation, which I thought was really good, but then there's moments where it's just so poorly done. Like there's like a a firecracker that flies in, and a guy appears out of nowhere from it. So it's just like, yeah, it's a terrible movie with zero uh, sense in it, mm-hmm. with a couple positives of like, oh, this could have been good, and it comes around the same time. Uh, that uh, it's 1983, so it's four years after A New Hope. So, like, at this time, everybody's trying their hardest to make the next Star Wars. And Mm. it feels like that was their next attempt. Like, Star Wars, but more medieval. And it's just, it's terrible. It's one of the worst things I've ever watched. And I almost fell asleep. I had to watch, I was watching it one night. You sleep. I I started watching it at 10 o'clock. And I was like... My There's wife's sitting there with me. I'm like, I'm going to fall asleep. There's a 10-minute scene where We're a guy is climbing rocks. <laughs> climbing and it's not like it's <laughs> exciting. It's just showing him climbing across a mountain. It's not like Lord of the Rings where they're going across the, the, the Misty Mountains. It's so I heard that boring. when Tom, Tom Cruise was making the Mission Impossible movies, that he was inspired uh, by the cliff climbing uh, antics of, of Goran inside of the girl. You mean him uh, laying on the ground and someone throwing pebbles at him from a distance? I'm it's pretty just, sure that was, that was him. I'm, it's I'm pretty sure he so, that it's just so bad. It I think he sense. really put his hand into lava. I think that was an actual real thing. And that's why he's never been in it and never started anything. Because so he doesn't bad. have a hand anymore. And like, well, what are we going to do with you now? Anyways, the point of the movie is he goes and finds a mystical blade called the Glaive, um, which was sure. something that was referenced in South Park that I was unaware of until after I saw this movie. I'm like, oh, that's from South Park. That's when uh, yeah. Jesus uh, throws it at the Pope and it cuts him in half. That was an episode of South Park. It's one of the Easter episodes. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I, I've seen this thing before. But like, it's just... Uh, 
You're welcome for letting you understand that joke now. All right. You ready for your quiz? You ready? I guess. All right. Whatever ends this. this. (laughs) Who is in... Okay, here we go. Who is in the Crystal Spider's lair? Like like the the character, right? And why Um, was this person there? It was... So she was like once married to the old hermit man. Yes. And uh, she incidentally, his name is also Chase. It's very strange. Oh, weird. So she had a she fell in love with him, and she had a kid, right. and he left her, uh, and out of grief, she killed the child. That sounds which is perfect. completely plausible. Um, sounds perfect. So and when she killed the child, she was she was like cursed. That's and right. she became like the widow of webs or something. Whoa, like look at you bring so, it in. Okay. Nice. And like, there's like a spider too. and stuff. It's very scary. It's yes. Spooky. I actually thought that whole sequence was really good. I thought that was one of the better That's parts. That's one of those few moments where I'm like, wow, this is a lot of good production. It's I was good. very scared of that freaking spider growing up. Between that and an arachnophobia, I had a I had a fear oh, of spiders when I was young. Never asked me to watch that movie. <laughs> All right. Why do uh, the Cyclopses the beast so it was because they made a deal with him for eternal no it was for like future sight they they created a deal with him for future sight uh-huh. and it was kind of like a deal with the devil where it's like okay you'll get one eye and you can see your future but all you can see in your future is your own death and that's that is that is correct also, uh, like how that dude died is like honestly of the way I, I I've been afraid of dying that way my entire it's life. It's horrifying. Like, doorways scare the crap out of me. Like you like see that. him straight up being crushed to death. I was like, oh my god. Nice and slow too. Like, yeah. Nice and slow. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you're two for okay. two. That's okay. great. What animals does Ergo the Magnificent transform into? During so the- this is very important to me. Because I think there's one animal in particular which mm-hmm. is near and dear to my heart. Okay? Yes. The first one he turns into is a goose. That is correct. So Excellent. A goose. That's not the one that's near and dear to me. I know. It's the second one. The second one is so mm-hmm. very important to me. Yes. Because when it happened in the movie, it was only it's one of the most redeeming parts of the movie. It was a baby basset hound. It was the cutest thing on the planet. It reminded me of Brutus so much. And Bruce is such a big fat idiot now. I wish he was a little puppy still. And so I saw him. Uh-huh. It's like, look at the little puppy. He's so cute. So I was like, this, I, I, I like I to think to Brutus life. is behind you right now, thinking, well, I think you're a big fatty right now too. So. <laughs> well, he probably does. But it was a basset much. hound and a goose. Okay, that's what he turned into. Okay, I'm gonna have to go and say that's incorrect because you what? forgot, my friend, about the tiger that he turns into at the oh, end of the movie. Oh no! Oh, you did so well, but oh. I'm sorry, it was an all or nothing question, oh. so that's gonna be incorrect. I a partial credit. I'm sorry, sir. Come on, I totally forgot about that. He gets I know shot you did. Or whatever. You got so upset. You got so obsessed with the with the whole puppy thing. Rule of threes, Justin. Come on. Okay, here we go. Final question. Okay. And of course, it's about Liam Neeson. All right. What was Liam Neeson's character's middle name? Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. Hmm. It was like the faithful. <gasps> oh, so close! It's it's just faithful. 
it's no, you no, 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 Come on. That's, Can oh. we go to judges? Can we ask the judges uh, real quick? Well, I am right, hold a judge on. for this. Let's go, let's go to the judges. Judges? Judges? Uh, my dog's saying no right now. You've got to be kidding me. I... That is a great answer. I'm sorry. I I, I remember that one. you got to give me this mm, one. Okay. Okay. I'll give you. Here you go. Here you go. To, to actually get to credit, when does this come up? How about that? They're when talking. They're talking about how like, so he comes up when they're when they're walking around, and he's. Oh, so it's when they go to like an area where like his ex-wife is or whatever, or one of his wives are, and they say, "Oh, he has eight wives." Mm. And they go, well, "Faithful, faithful is my middle name or whatever," mm. and that's where they brought it up. So it's when they're talking about that whole situation. When he's talking specifically to Merith, and Merith is teasing him about another woman, uh, about the blonde-haired woman that was brought into the group that. Was actually ended up getting like devil claws. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you gotta get this. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Oh my god, I was so that. I you that took too, a lot of thought to bring in. You two also earned a seventy-five percent. Look at you. All right. That's exciting. You did pretty well. All right. I find myself watching much more carefully than I normally would. <laughs> I am not too. I'm writing notes now. I write oh, notes really? during a movie. I'm, I'm like, that. no, I am. I'm like, he's going to bring this up. Always right. going to bring this up. Well, you better watch your challenge next week really, really carefully because uh, it's a f- another absolutely fantastic 80s movie. Well, what you bringing to me? I would like you to watch the wonderful Jason Patrick and Jamie Gertz film, Solar <laughs> Solar Babies. I remember this film. I, this is one of my favorite films <laughs> as a kid. Uh-huh. I've never heard of this film before in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Solar Babies is a wonderful mixture Ooh, of Mad Max and roller skating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. What? It's, it's little Mad Max, little roller skating, little cross. Obviously, All they those go three together. things wrapped up in a wonderful little package. All that's right, cool. so I'll watch that. My challenge for you, uh, I thought about uh, okay. this. I was flipping around on Netflix and I saw this. It Damn oddly it. fits with what you said to me. You say Solar Babies. I'm okay. going to say The Boss Baby. And you're going to have to watch The Boss Baby starring uh, Alec Baldwin. And a whole bunch of other people like Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Phoebe from the from Friends. This is that this is that animated thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I just thought let's try and get you to watch a kids movie because I know at times you said I don't watch that. I'm not a child because I watch a bunch of kid movies all the time. So yeah, well, you are a child, so that yeah, it makes sense. sense. So I want to bring right. you into my world. So you got to watch me. If, you, if you can't tell, I am unhappy about this. <laughs> all right, man. <laughs> All right, uh, I think we're getting close to the end of the episode. Uh, it's time to tell us or tell them where they can find us. Uh, you can find us online at lollygaggerco.com. That's two L's, two G's, co.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Uh, Justin, many people don't realize this, is a professional streamer, one of the best uh, at least, on Twitch. At least 130 people realize this. He is a far better streamer than I am. Like, the best in hey, our... I'm, bring, I'm slowly game. bringing in the fray when we play our Far Cry mm-hmm. 5 together, yep. man. It's fantastic. Yep. Uh, so tell them where they can find you. I'm on twitch.tv slash jehufa. That's J-E-H-O-O-F-A-H. Jehufa. Hit I'm me so up there, proud follow of you. Along, you spelled fun. it right this time. I did it. So proud. You did it, yeah. Yeah. All right, uh... Okay, anything else? I think we're good. Sit, we're done. Anything? Uh, uh, wait, we got one more thing. What do we got to do? We, we got to thank all those special people out there. 
there, there are special people out there? Oh, oh. yeah. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to go ahead and start us off. And I'm going to start by thanking an organization that, uh, you know, you may have heard of them before. They're called the CIA. I know they get a bad rap sometimes. People don't really like the whole spying thing. But you know what? The CIA uses board games to train their people. And I think that's cool. So, Central Intelligence Agency, thank you. I want to thank the uh, the grandpa with the chainsaw store in the row in front of me during Ready Player One. You added another level of comedy to the movie that I didn't know existed. Like, you snored so loud that the guy next to you that doesn't even know you had to wake you up like two or three times. So, thank you. I would like to thank... Uh time zones specifically the people on the east coast my friends my family uh justin uh, who love to text or call me early in the morning on a weekend i'm sorry time i actually get to sleep forgetting that i'm three hours earlier than them i'm so sorry thank you and finally i'd like to uh, thank the professor that decides to assign all the assignments that are due in her class on a friday night and having them do so it ruins my nights out with my wife because I forgot, due to procrastination, to do my assignments on time. Yes. So, thank you so much. <laughs>